Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody, how you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Fantastic. Um, curious to hear a little bit about your trip. Uh, I know you took off. We've been uh, down for the last couple of weeks, and... Um, you just got back. I want to hear a little bit about your trip. How would it go? We had a great time away. Uh, we were up in uh, the beach in Maine where we go to. Um, plenty of social distancing, plenty of room. You know, 99% of what we do up there is outside anyway. So we felt super comfortable. Uh, and people were really cool about it, too. Everyone walking around with masks. Um, you know, you can you can get the mask off. Like I said, when you're outside, you know, we're at the beach, you know, you're 10, 20, 30 feet away from people. So it's it's pretty cool. And, and, and we weren't inside. I don't think we went inside anywhere except maybe the arcade um, with the kids. And the arcade was was pretty cool, too. Um, great time. We had an awesome time. One of the first times in a long time that I can remember wanting to stay another week because <laughs> it was just so nice to be somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, in, in appropriate fashion, uh, my family and I are leaving next week and uh, I made all the arrangements yesterday. So <laughs> like That's we talked great. about That's in previous great. podcasts. So we're good to go. We're good to go at this point. Excellent. So, have a good time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, today we're excited to have two special guests with us, uh, dear friends and avid sports fans. Uh, Ken DiOrio and Paul Becker. Uh, we'll discuss Ken and Paul, with Ken and Paul the high cost of kids' sports from both a financial and time commitment. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, the first news story, uh, and both these news stories kind of tie loosely to the topic this week. The first one is college going online, student loans still covering, still cover living costs. Uh, I have to. I guess I'm a little bit rusty. I have to learn how to speak again and read these headlines. College going online, student loans still cover living costs. This was an interesting story, um, and I think we've talked about it on past podcasts. Um, the fact that tuition seems to be full boat commitment in terms of cost, but yet the kids are zooming and staying home, right? Uh, for the most part, I know there are some universities and colleges that are bringing people back on campus, but we suspect that might be short lived. And uh, so, Jody, what's your take on this story? Yeah, uh, this story dove into how the different delivery mechanisms in person, on campus, online or hybrid models, which we're all getting used to that word. That's going to be the word of 2020 um, can affect the cost of what you pay for your college education. And I think the the real takeaway for me from this article was it can change depending on what happens. So do your homework and ask questions, because if you don't, you may get charged a higher rate than you should be getting charged. Um, and everyone's situation is going to be different. So get in there to your to your college office, to your bursar, um, to your academic advisor, ask the questions, get the right tuition number locked in, get the right fee number locked in. You know, there's lots of little nickel and dime fees that go along with with uh, a college education. So make sure that you ask the right questions and pay the right amount of money. Yeah, it feels a little bit like car negotiating, buying a new car and negotiating no, for a new car at this point. Right. Uh, that's that's what the what the uh, it feels like, because on, on one side, um, they don't want to give up anything in terms of uh, revenue. And on the other side, um, you know, we, the kids are stuck with these 
experiences which they didn't sign up or, or want to pay for, right? So they have to meet in the middle. So understood. So that's all great advice, Jody. Um, the second story is as COVID-19 upends fall sports, student athletes face uncertain futures. And this is from uh, NBC. This was another interesting one. I think my general feeling on this is it's just such a sad state of affairs that we're in because you have kids that have been working you know, for, for, for over a decade on their craft, right? Whether it's baseball or football. And now we're in this time where they either can't show off their skills or they're in college and their scholarships are at risk. Jody, what was your take on this story? I completely agree. And it's stories like this make my heart break. Um, you know, this year, because of COVID and all the, the lockdown and all the fallout, you've got high school and college seniors that were robbed of their graduation ceremonies. You've got athletes now who can't play, so they can't get scouted, whether it's by a college they want to go to, whether it's even perhaps a pro team that they want to play for. Um, just the, the, the fallout from what has happened with COVID is just so unfair to these kids. Um, and, and like I said, it, it makes my heart break. Um, and, and the story gets into, um, how there's an additional fallout from that. If, you know, if you're a college, if you're a high school kid, you're a terrific athlete, you're hoping to go to college on a scholarship, but you can't get scouted. Are you not going to go to college now? That's just, that's just terrible. We've got to figure out, um, a way to get around this. We've got to figure out a way to help these kids r realize their dreams. Um, they can't get robbed. Uh, as you said, Paul, you know, years of playing a sport, years of putting, and this is going to be our conversation today with our guests, years of putting uh, work in on a sport and then come up against this lockdown, this COVID, which is being done for all the right reasons, uh, but get robbed of their opportunities. We've got to figure out a way around this. It's horrible. No, totally agree. And I think with that, we'll, we'll bring our guests in from the virtual green room. They're listening in, and I'm sure they have a ton to add to this. So it's Ken DiOrio and Paul Becker. Ken and Paul are just dear friends of ours from our Fordham uh, University days. And both are terrific dads. Both um, have kids that are very involved in sports, um, and they're very supportive of their kids um, during their sports career at a young age. Um, for me, I always compare myself to these guys. I always feel like the Homer Simpson of parenting when dealing with these two guys because they are the guys that are getting up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, going to the hockey rinks, going to the baseball practices, the basketball practices, um, things that um, I just haven't been able to get uh, been very successful at and trying to get my arms around. So let's bring these guys in. Ken and Paul, how you guys doing? And welcome to Financial Dads. Hey, good morning, doing great, guys. guys. It's, uh, it's bringing back a lot of memories. Very cool. Yes, yes, yes. We had a little pre-show, right? And we almost didn't get this podcast started because we were catching up too much <laughs> in the pre-show. So we'll do that <laughs> after the fact. That'll be a fact. different podcast. That'll, that'll be the, uh, the graduate uh, podcast. Yeah, or the have. bloopers reel, right? The one <laughs> well, we yeah. won't want to release. So, so Ken and Paul, why don't you guys give us a little bit of an intro and background? Um, and like I said, I know that your kids are very active with sports, but maybe just give us a little background on yourselves and, and what your kids are doing in terms of sports at this point. And I know you're at different points in the parenting life cycle at this point. Uh, Paul, you're a little bit ahead, and, and Ken, you're about where I am. So why don't you uh, give us a little intro? You go first, go Ken. Okay, um... So my son is 12, going on 13, he's in middle school, and he's taken a love to baseball, which was my 
Uh, that's been my passion, whether playing it or watching it. And he started playing like your most most typical kids, playing t-ball at four or five years old, did our town program. As he got a little older, you know, you start developing into, um, you know, different facets of what you can do. And, and I think we all grew up, we're all the same age, we all grew up. You played for your town little league until you're about 12. If you were that good, you might play for a travel team, and then you get picked up by your middle school or high school. And you know, by most kids, you're you're done with baseball probably about 12 or 13 years old. Um, but I've come to realize in about five years of doing this is that there is such such a thing going on, and and a lot of it is you know parents who think their son's going to be standing on the mound at Yankee Stadium in 10 years, and some of it is I hope he gets a high school uh, varsity spot and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm still hoping he makes a modified team next year in seventh grade, which, you know, is becoming a, a bit of a mess. Jody's just mentioned the COVID stuff. Um, so he's at that point in his life. He just ended his Little League career. He is on a travel baseball team. He is on a club baseball team. And, you know, Coach, you guys talking about, like, wow, what a, what a expense, what a cost, what a commitment this has become in both time and money. I think uh, Paul is coming from a different regard. Yeah, thank you, Ken, for that. Paul, do you want to give a little bit of background on your situation when it comes to the uh, kids and the high cost of sports? You might have had the ultimate sure. high cost, to be honest with you. I, I keep hearing about the hockey parents, and um, I remember when Andrew was born, and, and he got a little older, and he wasn't into hockey, and, and my wife was like, thank God. <laughs> because those 4 a.m. Yeah, ice um, times and the traveling so and everything else. And So tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I actually blame my dad for all the high costs for for two reasons. One, my parents apparently are much smarter than I am in that when I was a kid, I did want to play hockey. And my parents were like, oh, there's, there's nothing around here. There's nothing around here. <laughs> Baloney. My parents were a lot smarter. They, I think they figured out how expensive it was where we um, – so dad gave us tickets to a game one day. The kids were, I don't know, uh, eight and six or so. And – they just sat on the edge of their seats watching a hockey game saying, I want to learn how to skate. So it was pretty cool. I'm like, great. We went to um, one of the things that when they were earlier getting started cheaper was a company called Play It Again Sports where you could buy used stuff. Uh, you grow out of that really quick, by the way. So we did that. I taught them how to skate. And then they wanted to play more and more. And uh, so we signed them up for, you know, house league sort of hockey, which wasn't so bad. That was manageable one maybe two practices a week and uh you know the cost wasn't so bad and then games on saturday or something but then as they got better then you just get sucked into this i think ken was sort of going there sort of vicious cycle of more 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 and uh, ken did say it everyone thinks their kids are going pro into the uh in my case the nhl or whatever but it is it is amazing my kids started house league and both ended up playing Triple uh, A. My older son's team, I think, in the last year, uh, last year he played Triple A anyway, was uh, ranked 35th in the country or so at around age 16. So they were pretty good. They oh, that's awesome! Good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know like, from my yeah from my perspective, um, and you guys, I think, already know this. So Andrew and I, I got, I was lucky enough to get him involved in the sport that I like to play as well. So him and I played golf. My big regret is I didn't put as much time or commitment into it that I think I should have over the years. But 
Um, and we still play, and he still does play, but COVID has impacted that. He was playing on the high school team. He played as a freshman um, and uh, played as a sophomore. But now, no, I take that back. As a sophomore, he did not play. They canceled the season. I'm mixing up my, my years here. So, you know, it's been impacted, right? So with golf, you kind of have the abbreviated season because uh, you, you can't play in the winter. And with COVID, it just kind of wiped that out. And and for him, we still go to indoor golf lessons, but it's really not a passion of his, but I think more of a, a hobby he really likes. So, but he's not dying to play it every day. We don't, he doesn't wake up every day and say, dad, take me to the range or anything like that. So it's all been cool. Um, for me, my hope was that he could just play on a high school team and have that social interaction with other kids on the team and get the feel for playing a team sport. And that was my big focus for him uh, to try to get him to, to play more, right. To be involved with something that was team oriented. So, and and that's really critical, Paul, I think for these kids for uh, growing up and becoming a a viable member of society is playing with others, working with others. And as Jody was saying before, you know, COVID's, it's not just taking some opportunities away, but it's taking that, that friendship bonding, that, that working together and learning how to do things together, which is just so important for, for their mental well-being and for being a valuable member of society. Oh, nope. Paul, I got to, I got to jump in on that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, I, I coach my daughter's baseball team. She, uh, she has got a Derek Jeter style arm from shortstop. She's amazing. She's eight years old. <laughs> and, um, I couldn't bring my the, the the baseball season. What the little league season was delayed this year for obvious reasons. They kicked in a sort of like a late summer, early fall um, league, which they were going to play. And I and I and I really wanted to. I just couldn't bring myself to do it because you know how do you social distance fifteen eight year olds in a dugout? You just can't do it. Um, well, the- so we took us we took a sit out, but. But I'm I'm 100% backing you up on that. You know, just the the bonds that kids build on a field are are, are invaluable. Just to tip in on that, Jody, we just uh, I, I, you guys all follow me on Facebook. Like, we just had a insane um, makeup of a lost spring season. And my son played on two simultaneous teams: his town team for the last year and his travel team, and we played 32 games in 44 days. <laughs> uh, but, but to your point, wow. Jody, I, you know, of all sports, you know, and, and we're going to be going for soccer, football season right now, but of all sports, I think baseball, and I've seen it firsthand, uh, baseball's the one sport you could probably maintain social distancing pretty well. Most towns, and you'd go, to, you know, I'm in Westchester, and you would go visit other towns, and you'd get a note from the opposing coach, here's a form you need to fill out, Temperatures need to be taken at the field. Um, we're going. There's no stands for the parents. They can spread out wherever they can around the field, but the stands are used as an extended dugout. Um, we need three kids in a dugout at a time. Um, it's you know all the typical stuff. If you show a uh, fever, um, you must have a mask on in the dugout. Umpires removed from home plate to time the pitcher. So I, I have to say, I mean, I give credit to a lot of these townships and um, counties and the state just having a program ready. And uh, I thought everyone did it pretty well. And then, you know, these kids are 12 years old. They're going to be on top of each other talking about Fortnite. Um, but we, we have three or four coaches in the dugout kind of shooing them away. Um, and most of them wore a mask or a gator and did pretty well. Uh, I give them credit. 
the one thing I will say is the sense of community that was kind of brought back. Um, every game you'd have a parent come up to you going, oh, I missed everybody. I'm so thankful you did this. That's very cool. Yeah, and I think that these are all among the topics that we'll talk about today, right? So we, we kind of prepared kind of a lightweight list because we do want to focus on not only the, the time aspect or the, or the uh, personal learning aspect for the kids and for the parents, but also kind of how it ties the financial. Uh, because I think to everyone's point, when we were kids, you know, you got a glove and a bat and you went to the field um, or you got a hockey stick and went on the ice. But, it, you know, I think that, you know, with everything has evolved, right? And, and, and you guys could tell me more than I could give you. I could, I could tell you personally, I went through all the golf clubs. So I, I went from the very, very junior set to the adult set. And I remember when Andrew was big enough for his adult set, I was like, Phew. Thank God. I'm just going to make the investment one more time and he can his next set he could buy on his own. But, you know, I think we're on his fourth set. He was able to skip one set and go right to the adult set. But um, that that's not even scratching the surface when it comes to some of these other costs that are involved. So why don't we kind of go through the list a little bit and maybe we'll start with tournament play. Because I know with travel teams and all these things, I'm unfamiliar with that. But you guys could give us a little bit of insight to that in terms of travel, especially you, Paul, in terms of, you know, overnight trips to uh, Lake Placid or Pennsylvania or Massachusetts. So what was that like? And maybe, Paul, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so in the hockey world, your tuition, right? So you pay a tuition to, to play, like I'm sure baseball and other sports do. It just seems to be a lot more money because you're renting ice and all that sort of stuff. So generally, most of the tournaments are included in your tuition, but then sometimes, hey, we want to do another one. Then everyone's shipping in extra money for that. But the, the hotel stays, wow. So first, if you're going to go down this path, once all this COVID stuff subsides, you know, try and make sure you work with the uh the team coordinators right what hotels do we generally stay at make sure you get your points set up for marriott or hill <laughs> very or whatever because cool. it's it makes a difference right it, it helps at least you get a free bottle of water when you walk in the room uh, you know but so we're generally we were always somewhere so our home games for my one son were or not home games our, our league team league games we'd have games in Pennsylvania, you know, Philadelphia area, Washington, D.C. area, up to Connecticut. And those were just regular day games. Sometimes they were day trips. Sometimes we'd include them as a home at home. So do both of them in Washington, D.C., and then come back. So that's just one night hotel. But um, when we were getting ready for this podcast, I was thinking about it just the other night. Wow. I and mean, there were times where my wife was in Rhode Island and I'm in D.C. I'm like, God forbid something happened to one of them. We are so far apart right now. And uh, just, again, back to that time. But the expense just adds up. It's staggering, you know, how much hotels are. And then it's not just the hotels. It's the food, the eating out. It's all the eating out. Damn, you gain weight, right? Because <laughs> you're not eating healthy. So <laughs> that that has other impacts on everything else. But it, it was expensive, Uh Again, we also did tournaments in Chicago. So now I got to hop on a plane, fly to Chicago for a weekend of, depends on how well they do. That's the other challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a tournament, well, they guarantee you a minimum of three, sometimes four games for a tournament weekend. But if you do well, you get to play more. Um, and sometimes that playing more means an extra night in a hotel. So 
parents sometimes we're looking at the stats how does this tournament work with how many points do you get per win or is it because all these tournaments have different rules on how you advance to the next stage and sometimes all right we're not doing well great if we can just if we lose this game great <laughs> we can we can cancel with the hotel that's the other key thing right when is the last cancellation time for the hotel room this way you could just get out of dodge and, and get back but again we're like down two gold start calling that's so funny. Yeah, right? But, you know, we're in Chicago. I'm like, all right, so I got Chicago. Now I got to rent a car. And, oh, by the way, it's not just your luggage, right? I try and do everything in an overnight bag, but now you have this massive hockey bag and the sticks. And some airlines like, that's two different bags. I'm like, no, it's not. And we'll get into the equipment cost, but I was paranoid to put some of their equipment actually with the baggage. God forbid they lose their skates. Or their sticks, like it's not like I could just replace them. And we'll get into that when we talk about equipment costs later. But wow, yeah, I'm sorry, pi- I, I can go on and on. No, no, no. I'm just picturing you stuffing the hockey bag into into the over the the, the yeah, luggage well, over. Can't. They won't let you. <laughs> I know, right? but I'm yeah. but I'm picturing you trying to do it at least once. <laughs> Forget about it. And one of my kids was a goalie, so now you got to get your goalie oh, pads, oh. yeah, and everything into these bags. So equipment right gosh so okay we had a we had a hockey bag and they're all about the same size and the goalie bag is different because it's a goalie it's bigger so that means it costs more and you're trying to get these pads in but when we get to equipment costs we'll talk about that yep. sorry no 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 this is all great stuff and ken what what's been your take on it i know with baseball it probably is a little bit different i'm not sure if you've had to travel uh, extensively but i'm a little I'm a little earlier in the cycle than Paul is. Paul's kind of gone through it. I'm kind of, in, you know, again, you know, you, you basically play with your, historically, you play with your son until about 11 or 12, and then you start doing these tournaments. My son's just starting to get into that. And most of the tournaments I've gone, to be honest with you, are more local and, you know, quick drive. But um, we just, you know, COVID stole it away from us, but we just spent two years fundraising for uh, tournaments, basically $1,000 a kid and coach, and you have to pay for an umpire. So, you know, to take a team of about 13 or 14 kids, um, it's about a $20,000 expense. Plus, you got to get rooms or rent a house. Or, um, and it's in upstate New York for Cooperstown. And it's basically like the big event you do uh, in your 12-year-old season. Teams from around the country come there. You don't go to be competitive. You just go for the experience. And, you know, it was, it was kind of taken away from us due to COVID. But we spent two years fundraising for it. And I got to tell you, it's, it's a huge expense and it's a huge commitment and you could do it out of pocket um you know i haven't really talked about club teams yet but a lot of that is out of pocket the municipal leagues are going to do more community-based fundraising support from the greater community uh a lot of them have like a foundation set up to continue fundraising for whatever team that year might um might go on tournaments but a lot of people do this out of pocket, and you're talking anywhere from, you know, a final fee for your typical tournament is about a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for a team. That's a hundred dollars a kid, let's say. Um, but these big tournaments where travels involved, you 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 basically, you know, one big shot um, to go, and every one of them have a hotel nearby, like Paul mentioned. Every one of them have a support system built into the town or the community. Um, that's around it, and I was shocked when we had to pull away from our Cooperstown trip how um, easy it was to pull away because they know this is their local economy, and if you know if they screw it up, 
in a tragic circumstance, they're going to have a big egg on their face. So we were able to get out of our Airbnbs and be able to move forward. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a tr- it's a terrible thing to happen up to that community because uh, I'm sure Cooperstown is 90% tourism, if not more. <laughs> so yeah. they lost a major piece of their local economy. Yeah, it, it is crazy up there because, um, you know, Ken and Paul, I have – we have family property up there, kind of near there. So they had the dream parks and all those places that are around Cooperstown. So I know what you're talking about. The whole the whole economy is driven by that. And I think this is a good segue into one big word, budgeting, right? I, I think uh, um, Jody and I always say thankful and grateful. I think we all are in a position where we could support our kids in this way. There's probably other families that cannot support their kids to this degree in terms of money and time and, and uh, commitment. But was there a budgeting aspect when you were putting your financials together when you're, you know, you yeah. know, your, your kid has to do X this season or stuff like that? Does that come into play when you're when you're putting together your f- financial budgets for for the for the household? Sure. But yeah. then it gets thrown out yeah. the window pretty quick. Throw away the Excel sheet. You know, I, me- I mentioned the club, you know, let's I'll kind of segue into the clubs a little bit. You know, when you're doing a town league or your you're community based league. It's kind of the parents are standing together to do it. Um, and those don't necessarily go to these big things. You know, they might do another tournament at another town, which is all, you know, very easily out of pocket. But for the big ones, um, most of them are done through these clubs. And these clubs are basically a local uh, center that will offer training, will offer coaching, and will offer teams. And the teams will be, you know, I've seen them range from anywhere from about $700 to about 2000 a season. So baseball it's spring, summer, and fall season, and then you do winter workouts. So you're you're laying out, you know, on average $1,000 per season. And then they'll say, well, we're going to go to Ripken, and we're going to go to Cooperstown, and we're going to go to Baseball Heaven. This is $500. That's 1000 And they'll, they'll be tacked on. So you get a bill going into a calendar year. Um, okay, winter workouts are going to be 500 Our spring season is going to be uh, $1,500. Next thing you know, you got about a $10,000 bill in front of you. Most of them will say spread it out, you know, as long as you're paid by the beginning of that season for that season, you'll be okay. But with COVID, I have so many friends right now sitting with um, balances at their facilities, and those places aren't giving up that money very quickly because they're like, oh, they're, they're, they're stringing along saying, well, we'll do this in the fall or we'll do this next spring. And I have friends who have, you know, multiple thousand dollars being hung up right now that they're frustrated about. And again, these guys are running a business. Um, and virtually these facilities have been closed. They've been allowed to have the teams, but the training facilities are closed, and it's becoming a big mess right now for a lot of these groups. Yeah, I could, I could believe it. And, and, and Paul, you were talking a little bit. You were going to jump in on the budgeting because, to your point, you spent a lot of money over time on this. So what was your kind of tips and tricks, and what was your experience when it came to budgeting for all these activities for both boys? Yeah, so it, it, it was – I mean, honestly, it was it was a financial burden, right? I mean, I, we're fortunate, we're lucky, like you guys said, but it was expensive. You're, you're talking, you know, thirty five hundred five grand just the tuition fee, and then the teams always have, well, we always kick in an extra hundred fifty bucks or whatever per kid, just for miscellaneous expenses, the team dinners, the this, the you know, the presents for the coaches for Christmas, and so you you. As you get into it, you kind of understand where your costs going to be, but 
again, the uh, played again sports was really kind of cool when the kids were younger because I was able to save some money and get them uh, used equipment where I could in the beginning, like skates. Skates are expensive. Um, but it got to the point where I was able to budget because I knew how much the stuff was. You know, when when they were done, I was probably paying about 900 bucks a pair for skates. Wow, they've okay. gone to that cost, huh? 900 bucks for skates. Wow. I mean, when I bought my skates, they were – I thought they were expensive when I was a young kid. They were 200 bucks, right? I bought yeah. CCM UltraTax at the time. I remember the – because I spent that much money on them, and I still have them. But I can't, <laughs> exactly. believe, if, I can't believe if you had told me back then at one point skates are going to be $900, I would have laughed. But uh, here we are. Yeah, but here we are. But, but, that, but that's only one season. Sometimes if yeah. that. Cause Don't forget, they're really... growing, Paul. <laughs> yeah, and they're like work boots, right? They're getting destroyed on the ice. I guess if you're overplaying yeah. in them, they start to break down, and you have to buy a new I... pair, right? Is that the case? Exactly, exactly. And that—that's what happened. I, I... Kids on the ice, I, five I, I days of five, um... six days a week, or more. Guys, sorry, I Ken. On a one of these crazy three hundred dollar bats last year, and I thought he can get a couple seasons out of it. So he played the fall season. And just from, you know, you, you said like a work group, Paul, at the end of the season, I know she's got a crack on the cap. And I'm like, oh, God, he got, you know, this was a big waste of time. I think he played like six games for the fall. So I, it, um, I contacted the company that sold it. They sent a brand new back for 2020 and it was great. Oh, wow. You know, warranties work. And now here we are. He didn't have a spring season. He just finished his summer season. I'm thinking, God, I think he needs another bat again, you know, and, and that's, you know, two or three times a year. And they, they grow cleats are cleats are too small within a year six months uh, you have to get different size you know, different kinds of shoes turf shoes cleats uh, spikes uh, the one the one thing I think for baseball gloves I'm not investing in a new glove every year which I thought I'd have to I mm-hmm. think uh, that's one that hasn't killed me yet but every I, I, I've already two or three batsmen after four years a cleat every season turf shoe, um, you know, it, it adds up and, and hockey, I think it's triple all that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my little guy, I just did the math on the side while, while you were talking there, Ken, my little guy, I call him my little guy. You guys know my kids there. They're six, two, right? So, yes. <laughs> um, so he was a goalie and he would, when I sent him out in the ice, you know, the last few years, it was, he was just, just wearing on him physically about $3,600 in equipment. And a lot of that you're changing over pretty frequently. Um, it, it's interesting story, Ken. You said about the bat and it got a crack in it. Um, my little guy, Kevin, he took a puck to the helmet one time. Well, they always do, right? And uh, he's saying, I started, my helmet started ringing a little bit more. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I started looking at it. I couldn't see anything wrong with it. I contacted the company. like, well, whatever. And then... I'm a volunteer fireman, so I took actually a thermal imaging camera, and I looked at the helmet with a thermal imaging camera, and with that, this is crazy, I was able to see a hairline crack going from the front by the jaw area all the way back up to the ear, and you you physically couldn't see it, and maybe it was a, a manufacturing defect or something, I don't know, but I had this hairline crack going, so I reached out to the manufacturer like, well, we recommend that you what you know you replace it. There's nothing we can do. I'm like, I'm not asking you to replace it because I know not going to. Just what do you have any guidance on this? Like, we recommend you. Oh, forget it. 
So next thing you know, I'm trying to find the kid another helmet. He must have had an odd size head because he so much trouble finding him helmets. <laughs> so, but the helmets, the helmet was uh, when we stopped playing it was around 900 or so. It was just for the helmet. Wow. As well. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. Go what am I gonna well. do? Go to coupon day for a helmet for for the kid's head, right? You gotta and they, these pucks are. When these kids get older, let me tell you, some of these kids can shoot. You don't want to stand in front of them. No, that Sorry, makes ahead, no, no, that makes sense. I mean, we've talked about kind of these hidden costs and the equipment costs and the cost to play. I think one of the topics we haven't hit upon was like around private coaching and, and private lessons and stuff oh, like that. Goodness. Have you guys made any investments with your kids on those? I know for my yeah. kid, we go twice a month to up to Connecticut um, and for kind of a half hour lesson with a, with a pro uh, for his golf. And, and it's like, like I said, at this point, it's more to get us out of the house and <laughs> to have a little lunch and have some time with him, which I enjoy. Now he's 16. He'll actually drive up part of the way. Um, that kind of thing. But I, we do it more for um, leisure and kind of connecting, right? Just the two of us. So we, we kind of spend a few hours even for that half hour lesson. But have you guys experienced anything in terms of uh, private coaching and, and maybe Ken I'll start with you and then we'll go to Paul um, yeah. what have you guys experienced in that space well I, I liken it a little bit to Scientology because you know <laughs> it's one of those things when you cross each ring you kind of okay you're saying oh he's a pitcher he's got to work out with uh, with this guy this guy is $75 an hour but he's only available these times and well if he wants to hit he's got to deal with this guy and he's $75 an hour you know and it, it, oh, we have a camp. Um, he wants to catch. We have a clinic, and that's going to cost fourteen hundred dollars. Like, so a lot of these programs, and, and they do. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being bitter to them. They do a fine job, much better than a dad going out with the key and saying, "Hit up." That's going to take you only so far with the way how competitive sports has become. Um, so, in a way, you kind of need this additional practice. Plus, kids when they get to nine, ten, eleven, they don't want to listen to their dad anymore. I haven't I haven't successfully seen a father be able to coach a kid past eleven years old because they just kind of tune you out. And a fresh voice, um, no matter how good or how bad they are, is going to bring it to a different level. So it, it's very key to find the right program. Um, but a lot of them come with the Scientology. You have to go to the next level to get better. And 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 you as a parent have to be smart and to manage that and not let them take advantage of you. Because there, there will be times kids not that good, and they're going to say, well, you know, if he works on this, he's going to get better. And, you know, next thing you know, um, you're at a couple thousand dollars, and they're still the same kid they were six months ago. Yep. But, I, but I've also seen tremendous growth, some of it natural, just by getting older and getting more mature, and some of it by, you know, um, what, what these people are capable of doing, getting across to them. Yeah, I know for me, with my kid, um, it was I knew early on – that, you know, when we used to play golf together, I'd make him turn around and stare at a tree while I swing because I don't want him learning my swing when it comes to golf, right? He needs to learn from a pro. And it, I said, don't watch dad, right? Don't learn from me. Go stand in the corner. That's right. Here's a blindfold. Now, when I swing, so just kind of stand the, on the side. But, we, you know, now that I'm reflecting on it, we spent a bit of time and a bit of money. Andy used to go to golf camps during the summer and he used to enjoy that and I, I would always tell him whether it was a private lesson or we used to also do the first tee program so actually when I reflect back maybe I'm not such a Homer Simpson of parenting I made some investment when it came to him and learning how to play golf because he definitely even though he he enjoys it and he's not 
crazy about it. Like, he's not obsessed with it. When he plays or he swings the club, he knows how to swing. Like, he really does know how to swing pretty well. Um, and he's very methodical, and he's learned a lot from going to the first heat program, going to the private uh, PGA Pro, um, going to the golf camp. So he, he's learned, and he's gotten that repetitive motion, plus the high school. Uh, he had a good high school coach, and when he played as a freshman, um, he got put in a lot in a lot of the different matches and stuff like that. So it was it was very cool. Uh, Paul, from your perspective, did you have any experience with private coaching? Um, and and uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about it, if so. That's crazy. When Kevin said it's kind of like Scientology to get to that next level, I, I was cracking up. I'm like, <laughs> that, that's such a great analogy because it is. Like, oh, you know, he's okay, but, you know, he really needs to, you know, skate better. So, you you know, you know, that's what people would tell you on the side. But what's really interesting is, especially like hockey, the, some of the tryouts, and I'm sure you have this with the baseball oh, too, yeah. guys, right? All of a sudden, you're best friends with the buddy. Oh, whoa, it's tryout time. You, everyone's like doing everyone like do shit on the side and like going to see this coach no one talks about it no one talks about it because they're all trying to give their kid the competitive advantage um but it is it, it is crazy you know learning you know goalie coaches you know from that to just skating coaches we went through a couple of different skating coaches for our older one, and some of them were, you know, one was a general skills coach, I should say. He was, he was awesome, you know. He wasn't outlandish from a pricing point of view. Then we went to a woman who was specialized in skating, and I, how hard is it? Dude, she she did change his game, mm-hmm. honestly. We we saw it because he could chase down a kid going diagonally across ice like he was fast. And it was because of her. She taught him how to do the stride properly. Um, then one time we were, I think uh, Janine had him up in uh, Massachusetts for a tournament or whatever. We made arrangements to meet with a specialized shooting coach. And again, so these little things change their game dramatically. But uh, it cost goes up and up and up. It was yeah. funny was after the shooting coach uh, while during a tournament, you know, we did a game or whatever, went to the shooting coach for an hour and then went to the next game later that afternoon. And all of a sudden, my son gets the puck. He's in the top right circle dot, takes his shot with the new style and, and scores. And the coach from the bench looks up at me. Like, Are you kidding me? I'm like, shit worked, I guess. Right? <laughs> so, so that was pretty funny. But it, it's really... It is like this hidden subculture where people kind of don't talk about it too much, but everyone does it. Everyone yeah, does I, it. I, I, mean, I, I kind of alluded to it, and one thing I will say is there's a lot of they'll tell you what you want to hear. Um, yep. And as Paul, you're telling that story, I'm thinking about that. Like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, oh, my son's a great hitter, and you see them work out, and and they might be a good hitter, but like the. the $400 bat and the $75 a week coaching is only going to get you so far. A lot of it has to be the kid too. And, and what, you know, one thing actually, you know, my son had a, a bit of a breakthrough this season, just working with a college kid that's a alumni of our league that just came around and liked the kids. And I got to tell you, this person got it through to our players better than any professional coach has ever done. And it's part because of it. Because they're closer in age, older. right? Yeah. Yeah. He knows how to speak to them. He's been through it. Um, yes. He's also a great kid. I mean, there's a lot to do with that. But, like, 
all the investment we've been doing three, four years at a professional program with professional coaches, extra, you know, ex-professional players, a college kid that's you know a year removed from our high school probably got through to my son more than anybody. So, you know, that's my advice to a parent out there that wants to do the right thing is, you know, don't just throw money to throw money. Find like the right person that's gonna help you. Um, and, and shop around. Don't don't just yeah. go to your local community center because you think they're going to do better. Um, there are so many of these programs now and some of them are just out to take your money. They really are. One thing I did, yeah, and since it's financial dads, I'll share with you. One of the goalie coaches we worked with for a while, I would actually barter with him, right? <laughs> so no, I did. I would like do his website and help him set up some of the IT stuff because that's what I do. And then he would, would, you know, let my son come on for his training camps and stuff like that. So yeah, financial dads, yeah, there you go. That, that's something I did. I, I I would barter with <laughs> where I could. Yeah, I love that advice. And and for, yeah, go ahead, Ken. I was going to say, some of these guys, they can tell you how to turn on a 2-0 fastball, but they cannot run a business. And, and they're feeling it right now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Paul, you say that story, like, I, you know, I alluded to some friends who was frustrated with some of these programs holding under the money. It's because they, they want to run a baseball business. They don't want to run a basically daycare center. And I think if they were smarter businessmen on their side, they would, they would handle their business a lot better um, and not just take money. And like yeah. I said, some of them, well, they'll just add programs because there's eight kids and it's for seven kids and a lot of whole new programs just to get more money and not necessarily do what's right for the kids. You know, some of these, you need small groups. You, you can't have it 20 kids on a team. Nobody's getting playing time. Everyone's frustrated. You're not communicating. Um, so just adding teams and adding players to a program is not the answer. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and it's funny you mentioned about the rapport because Andrew's uh, – the, we go to a guy named Angelo who's a PGA pro. And when I listen in the other room while he has his lessons, they talk about movies and they talk about golf and they talk about life, right, which is very cool. And that's part of the reason why I like it. He has a good rapport with that person. So that is that is key and important. I also wanted to call out when you talked about kind of like – you know, where they're just taking your money, Ken. I'm reminded of that scene in Happy Gilmore. I don't know if, if, if we've all seen Which it one? where that girl, oh, like, you, you know, he's like, very good. Uh, yes, eye on the ball. Like, yeah. she's doing, he's oh, like, yeah, yeah. he's like reading the magazine and she's clearly awful, right? But that's the yeah. extreme example where they might just take your money. And, and one other thing that came into mind while you guys were talking was, you know, that this doesn't only apply to sports, right? We all have a, a mutual friend of ours and, Jody and I refer to him as our financial superhero and his kids are into, you know, not only baseball, but chess and piano and all these other things. So it could apply to any passion that the kid might have. Right. So if you're traveling for chess tournaments or your piano lessons and recitals and and stuff like that, the cost can add up. Right. But I know today we're really focused on the sports aspect, but this could apply to anything that the kid might be passionate about. Right. So I think in that case, um, it's something that you kind of have to watch. And I think we've hit upon all the topics except for one that I definitely want to call out before we end the podcast. And that's around scholarship opportunities. I know in my town there was a a family in town um, that, that I know and their kid just got signed to the Minnesota Twins. Right. And, you know, that kid, I, I heard about his sign-on bonus and all these different things. So in the end, I guess at some point for some families, 
all this investment, you know, it, it, it all kind of, I don't want to say panned out because that's not the point. We're all here to make sure our kids are happy and they're, they're having fun and they're getting that social interaction. And I know that's priority one for every one of us that are on this call right now because I know you guys. Uh, but what is your thought when it comes to scholarship opportunities, like in terms of, you know, playing hockey in college or playing baseball in college and moving forward? And I know, Paul, we talked about this in the past, so maybe I'll start with you this time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And Ken, maybe you'll tell us what your vision might be and what your, th what your thoughts are around scholarships. So from, from the hockey world point of view, that's the mythical beast that everyone's trying to get to, right? They're trying to get it. Uh, so there are a couple of reasons why people keep going through it. Obviously, they love it, right? But there's always, from a parent point of view, oh, maybe they can do something with this. Maybe they can, right? Maybe they'll get seen by coaches. And we used to get coaches coming up to the kids all the time, uh, especially my younger one as a goalie, come play for our junior team, our junior team. And, and uh, one of my neighbors, in fact, played – I think the highest level non-collegiate amateur in the United States. And generally those guys, they go on to D1 schools and they go on, a lot of them, not all of them, obviously they sometimes go to the NHL or whatever, very elite level. And one of my neighbors, a basketball player, uh, played for the school where my wife went to and, um, same sort of thing. He was playing and it helped him get into college. So a lot of people are playing a sports ball. If I'm good enough, then maybe that will help me get into college. And sometimes the scholarship money comes, but I think it's few and far between for a lot of kids. Uh, some of them, it helps them get into that better tier college. I'm fortunate. I, I married up, right? My wife is taller than me, better looking and smarter than me. So, um, apparently all those traits went to the kids and they did extremely well in high school and are at a uh, phenomenal engineering school now that doesn't even have sports they have intercollegiate sports so that's it not this year but so it is the mythical beast that everyone's sort of hoping for and eventually people do realize well all right my kid's not going to make it to the pros but maybe it will help them get into college and that just sort of perpetuates it uh, a bunch of kids my older one played with you know they were signed to go to d1 schools and things like that boom they get hurt that's it mm. I, I know one kid they, they 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 pulled it they pulled their commitment to go play at d1 now my son's starting his senior year in college right now we're taking him a few hours this this one kid i'm thinking of he's just starting as a freshman this year in college now uncommitted and everything so it's three years additional almost four that he sort of missed out on and by the way the average college freshman for a hockey player is 20 they usually do two years post high school of playing before they get to college oh interesting so. interesting yeah, yeah i know for me i had this conversation with uh some gentleman uh on a on a vacation a couple of years ago and it was interesting because we talked about this whole college funding and scholarship and what he had indicated was a lot of people are thinking that your kid has to get a full ride you know to in order to be you know to take advantage of their sports activities and stuff but to your point paul it, it that edge right that overall portfolio of their academia plus the hockey could put your kid over the top for scholarship or for to get into the right school that they want right so i think that's key and so 
uh, Ken, what about your view when it comes to scholarship opportunities and, and what's your vision on that? Because I know you're with uh, with your kid being much younger at this point, but you blink, it'll be there. So what's your thought when it comes to yeah, that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously critical to my thinking now. I mean, it's very easy to kind of swallow yourself up and go, you know, oh, he's going to go to a D1 school. And then, you know, the one thing you always got to keep in mind is there's always somebody better. And we, we were recently at a... Um, a team here up in Westchester, and they, you know, they do those signs to kind of keep the parents calm. Uh, you know, know that this town has 700 kids that play in the program, and of those 700 kids, 30 will be on the high school team, and of those 30 kids, three might make a D1 school. And in the last 10 years, one has been drafted to the major leagues. Please keep that in perspective. We're all playing a fun game. Let's let's enjoy it. And you know, you got to keep it. You got to keep it in perspective. Um, you know, I look at my son. I'm like. You're, set, you're in seventh grade this year. Um, all the eighth graders this past year just had um, their modified season stolen from them. The school would be irresponsible if they don't give all the eighth graders a chance. Keeping a perspective, we'll find an opportunity for you. If in a year you can make it into modified and freshman and eighth and ninth grade, then that's where I want you to be. And when you're in tenth grade, start looking at JV. And if you can make JV, that's where I want you to be. But you know, back to my Scientology um, experience, like there's, there does come a point where your money doesn't work anymore. I mean, loyal often aside, of course, but um, you're going to get to a point where you can't buy his kid onto a team. And there becomes points where the kid has to be good enough and you have to, um, you have to check yourself. When, when a kid is eight years old and nine years old and dominating on a tiny little literally field, if that kid isn't, a giant kid at um, 13, 14 years old playing on a giant 60, 90 field where the throw from third base is like 30 yards, mm-hmm. you better you better check yourself because um, unless you have realistic goals, um, it's not going to work for you. And then the one thing I've noticed, I you know, talked to a couple of coaches, like one of the first questions they ask, unless your kid is, you know, the next Bryce Harper or LeBron James, the first question they're going to ask you is, how is his grades? And Paul alluded to his son's both being geniuses, which they are. Um, but, I, you know, if you're that old, they're probably going to pick out of a group at 12 years old anyway. You better do your schoolwork, be a smart kid, work hard, um, because that's what coaches look at um, to get to a middling D1, D3 school. They're not even going to look at your talent unless your grades are there. Yeah, you're right, Ken. The, the grades are so important. I mean, there were even some of the um, junior teams we were looking at and stuff like that. They they actually want to see your high school transcript grades. And, you know, I don't know how much of that is just to pretend, but some of it sounds legit. Um, actually, so, sometimes there is some there's a lot of value in teams and sports. Uh, it is expensive. One of my sons, his uh, his coach, my younger one, he was a um, he used to tutor the kids for the SATs if they wanted it in the math wow. specifically. So he take time out of his schedule again, no, no cost actually, believe it or not, and just hey, anyone who want help for the SATs, please let me know. I will help you guys. And a few kids did take him up on it. So you know, I really applaud that coach. Uh, that was amazing for him to do that to take his own time out and. Um, and help some of these kids that needed it, and it was it was great. So there there are little gems like that that come about, few and far between. 
Yep. And and I think with that, we're going to go to our summary recap because we've we've gone longer than our normal podcast. But I have to but tell I all keep our going. I know. I know. We <laughs> could definitely keep going. And all our listeners out there, please listen, if, especially if you have young kids, because this is all valuable knowledge coming from a bunch of super dads, minus me, um, that could tell you <laughs> what what the reality is when it comes to this. So today, my takeaways were all around, you know, um, you know the, the, the you mentioned the barter piece. You mentioned the uh, making sure you have an eye on your kid's talent piece. There's so many different pieces that I'm definitely going to re-listen to this um, this upcoming week, which I normally do. I might listen to it twice as I'm doing my run or I'm trying to do my my Peloton. Jody, what's your takeaways from today? Yeah, I sat back and listened to you guys talk because usually I'm the I'm the one who's uh, full of it on this on this podcast. But listening to you guys talk about your experience with your kids and everything you've gone through. I agree with you, Paul, the really invaluable resource that you guys brought uh, here today. So thank you. I love the stories about the hotel points and getting creative with the budget, bartering for coaching services. I think that's brilliant. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to steal that if I ever need it one day. <laughs> I, also, I also really like what Ken said about being realistic about your yep. kids' abilities and your kids' interests. you got to let that – this is all about fun, right? This is all yep. about encouraging them to have a good time and to enjoy what they're doing. Um, and if you want them to excel, if you want them to be great – whatever your definition of great is, they have to have fun. They have to be having a good time. Because if they're just out there, work, kids aren't going to go out there to just work, right? They're not going to do that. They want to work so they can have a good time, so they can hit the home run or score the goal. And I love Paul's story about, you know, th taking the, the classes and scoring the goal from where he might not have normally scored a goal from. I, th I think that's all great stuff, but it all comes back to having fun. They're kids. Let them it have does. a good time. Yeah. And, and the one last thing on that, Jody. Story? All right, Ken, go ahead. Sure. I got one more. No, I was just to tip in on what Jody just said. We had a playoff game the other night, and the same coach I was mentioning, the college kid that we hired, um, we gave a little speech before the game. He's like, look, you are all going to remember this game, this season. Your 12-year-old season is a magical season for most, most kids, not all kids. But who's not going to remember it is the rest of the town unless you win tonight. Just savor these moments because they'll be moments for you. But let's be, you know, we lost the game, you know, it's going to all be forgotten in three days. But, you know, unless you become Tom's, uh, Tom's River, New Jersey, and, you know, that team that went all the way to the uh, uh, Little League World Series, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, it's your moment. Love it and enjoy it. And I, I thought that was great advice. That, that is great. The other thing I would do every year before tryouts started. Hockey's crazy. The season starts in September, but now it really starts mid-August. But tryouts are right around Easter. Usually sometimes they overlap with Easter. So after the season is over, after whatever, we'd sit down as a family unit and, and then individually with each boy and say, guys, do you want to continue this? Is it, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Because if you're not having fun anymore... I could do a lot better things with my money, trust me. So we would always have that real heart-to-heart -heart conversation about it. And, and part of me thinks they thought I was joking sometimes, but I, but I really wasn't. We'd go for a walk and talk about it. Because just sitting down at a table doesn't work. Sometimes you just need to be moving and, and talk it through. Are you having fun? And one year my little guy wasn't having fun at his one team. We found – we switched teams. That was it. 
So to your point, it's about having fun. It's about those relationships. Travel's expensive. The hotels are expensive. But my wife and I got to spend countless hours with our kids captive in the car, driving all over God's creation here in the USA, right? Just all over the place. But we got to spend invaluable time with them too. So that's worth a lot to my wife and I too. Yeah, that's a great recap and great advice. And and Ken, do you have any final words of wisdom or final story you want to uh, tell us before we uh, before we end the podcast today? No, we'll leave with Becker's God Green Earth. I love it. Okay, great, great. Well, Jody, Ken, and Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Love to have you guys back on at some point. Um, we'll spin the wheel of topics and jump in. Um, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. 